your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another week of Locked On Texans, your favorite podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy, Hickman, and Locked On Texans is presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. Guys, today we're going to talk about the 33-16 loss suffered by the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, we're talking about the Houston Texans. We're going to look at both sides of the football, offense and defense. And we're also going to have to throw in some special teams because uh, those were three phases of the ball that the organization felt like they got better. And, you know, through the course of the first two weeks, that does not seem to be the case. Just a little game notes. If you missed the action on yesterday, your Orange 2 Texans took on the Baltimore Ravens here at home where Lamar Jackson threw for 204 yards, one touchdown. He also rushed for 54 yards. The Baltimore Ravens has a total rush for 230 yards along with one touchdown. It seemed like the Houston Texans went into this game the same way they came out of the last game when they took on the Kansas City Chiefs and had a very difficult time making tackles, and getting their opponent off the field. While the offense looked very bad uh, running the ball, where they only rushed for 51 yards overall, Brandon Cooks and the connection with Deshaun Watson seems to be better, along with Randall Cobbs. Cody, let's talk about the game. Let's, l- let me say before you take the floor, and of course I want you to take the floor, but let me just say this. Um, I picked the the Texans to win this game against the Ravens, right? I'm on record by saying that. I'm on record by saying that I believe that they will lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. That happened. Did not see the Houston Texans starting their season off 0-2 in the hole. I'm not going to make an excuse. We know about the preseason. We know that this is a very, you know, mixture of age when we look at this team. But the main guys makes this team a young team, right? And we know a lot about the Houston Texans. Only thing we don't know is who are they? We don't know who the Texans are. We don't, we don't need the Texans don't even have an identity for themselves right now. Still scrambling with communication, still scrambling with trying to uh, establish some, some trust amongst quarterback receivers, still trying to establish, okay, who are we going to pick up on the bliss package? If they're sending more than we can handle, how are we going to do this to make our quarterback life easier? That was an issue I saw yesterday. Overall, um, you know, I think Houston is just going through an, a quote-unquote identity crisis as a football team because they gave up a very good piece, a very great piece. The number one or two receiver in the league who is having a very good start to his Arizona career. And he made up a huge chunk of what they did on offense. Could you say that they were going at him too much? Yeah, you can. Of course you can say that. But, you know, the whole purpose of making that trade was to get a full, complete, balanced offense. Last week we were able to run the ball decent. But outside of Will Fuller, uh, no other receiver came to play. And today, you know, only rushed for 51 yards. And then you had a good balance of who was actually able to contribute to this Texas team. Um, but they don't know how they're going to approach game in and game out, the team that they're going to play. Next week, they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The week after that, the, the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Cody, please take it. Let us know what happened starting off with this team. I just say they need to find themselves before they find themselves out of 
an opportunity to make it to the playoffs and really reach their goals and aspirations, which is further than a one-game victory. When you look at the final score of this game, when you look at the final stats of this game, you might think that the Houston Texans came out and played atrocious. But they didn't. It was basically a tale of two halves, basically a tale of three quarters. And there were certain moments in the game where you can say if one or two things went the Texans' way, they probably would have still lost or they possibly could have came out victorious within this game. One of the main things I want to talk about is defense, of course. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. And, John, since you talked about DeAndre Hopkins and since you talking, talked about running the ball and everything, you, we're going to start with the offense. John, I'm placing this game on Titus Howard. That offensive line that the Houston Texans went out and showcased was terrible. And it wasn't the left side. It was the right side. John, let me, let me just tell you this really quick. I counted with my own eyes. The Ravens rushed Deshaun Watson 14 times in that game. Out of those 14, 10 came on the right side. And out of those 10 that came on the right side, eight was the fault of Titus Howard. I don't want to put too much on him because, yes, this is a guy who is coming off an injury. We know that he only got a chance to play, what, maybe 40% of his rookie season. He's still trying to play his way in. Not only that, he's dealing with an ankle injury. I understand that. But, John, what did I say? If that guy is not 100%, don't play him. I don't know if it was the ankle. I don't know if he's still trying to work his way back into shape. I don't know. But what I saw from Titus Howard on yesterday was very bad. If it wasn't for the offensive line, mainly Titus Howard, if he was able to stay in front of his guy just a little bit longer, we would have saw a lot more production coming from this Texans offense because Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, they played a hell of a lot better this game than they did last week against the Chiefs. The It was so many times throughout this game, by the time Deshaun Watson takes two steps back, he's already getting rushed. They need to make sure – I don't know if they need to make a change to that line or what, but they. I'm putting this loss on that offensive line. And another thing I want to talk about, John, what did I say was going to be the most important factor of not only the Houston Texans being successful this season, but for them not to look so bad after the departure of DeAndre Hopkins? What did I say was going to play the number one factor in the Texans' success this year? Uh, you know what you said? a lot of things but at the top of the list I, I i can't remember you repeatedly saying injury you mentioned the injury bug or lack thereof being a huge part of what houston does uh this season last week will fuller had a really good game this week the man didn't show up at all and then there was Sick parts in the game he wasn't even in because he's dealing with a hamstring injury again i just yeah. don't understand let me try to compose myself this can I, can I jump in? Go, really go ahead, jump, go, jump I, in. John, I, I want to say, guys, while you're listening to this show, and uh, you know, you guys are frustrated. We, we're frustrated because we we've taken the opportunity to, you know, learn and study and research, and you know, Cody getting access and at practices and now on Zooms. You know, we we've also put time into this as well. And uh, throughout this entire offseason, throughout the entire year last year, uh, one of my points that I would stand on was I think the Texans, at least I thought the Houston Texans made the right point 
right decision, rather, uh, drafting Titus Howard. And, you know, on yesterday's game, I caught him standing around again. Again. And, I mean, what is going on right now again? I also saw that the combination between he and Zach Fulton is just not working out. If I was a DC and I watched the last two games, I'm loading and sending a blitz for the Texans right line, right side of the line. But I caught him standing around again, uh, and I was crucified last week in my group chats, uh, group chats, talking to some of my friends. And you know, I thought Titus Howard was your boy. I thought Titus Howard was your boy. And my friend listened to this; he's, he knows who I'm talking about. Uh, but you know, I tried to defend him. But he came out again this week, you know, after having a longer break than every other, you know, team in the league because you played on Thursday. He came out again and was very slow off of his step. His kick step was terrible. I mean, terrible. Still has problems with hand placements uh, in regards to blocking for the quarterback uh, pass blocking. I will say this. He does a very good job, a much better job at least, than pass blocking with run blocking. I think that's his strength. But, you know, I, I look at what Cody Ford is doing in Buffalo, and I'm thinking to myself, why aren't you able to do this for us? Was that a mistake by Brian Gain? I'm not sure. But – I don't want to get overly down on ourselves, guys, because this is a very young team, like I mentioned, a very young-led team. These guys are going into their second year. By the way, shout-out to Charles Omane, who can't wait to talk about the defense, but my boy out of UT, Charles Omane, who had a sack yesterday. A young team, second-year players, right? A lot of expectations. And the first week you go up against the Super Bowl champ and then the MVP, we get it. I'm, I'm the guy that picked you guys to beat Baltimore Ravens. But when I look over and see the effort that a rookie-led San Diego, I'm sorry, L.A. Chargers had against the Kansas City Chiefs, took them to the wire, I'm asking myself, number one, are we just lacking fight? Did the DeAndre Hopkins trade offensively take the dog away from us? And I'm thinking to myself, I saw a rookie-led Charger team fight against the Super Bowl champions every given Sunday, any given Sunday, right? But they had fight. I didn't see fight in the last two games from the Houston, Texas when, the, when it mattered most. I did not. I don't want you or the listeners at home to start getting frustrated with Titus Howard. I know I just had my little spill about him, but let's not forget the first, what, what was it, like four or five games of his career, we like what we saw. Once again, this is a guy who is still trying to play his way back in shape, and he's dealing with an ankle injury. But what I'm going to need Bill O'Brien to do, if that is the reason why we are not seeing the Titus Howard that we all started loving last year prior to his knee injury, I'm going to need him to give him less snaps on the field. And you just mentioned that his run blocking is pretty good. And it was, there was a couple of times where he did open us, open some really nice gaps for um, David Johnson. But if that's the case, I'm going to need Bill O'Brien to start putting in Roger Johnson a lot more because the three snaps that Johnson was able to get in and play was the best that I've seen that offensive line play. 
I don't know what's the deal going on with Titus Howard. There's a lot of things that went into this loss, but I'm putting this loss on the offensive line, especially on Titus Howard. And I must say, the turnovers, man. If it wasn't for those terrible back-to-back turnovers, the fumble by Kiki QT and the interception by Deshaun Watson, when those turnovers happen, that's, that, that was the start of the downfall. That was the start of it. But going back to Will Fuller. You know what? Let me, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I, I just, I don't want to hear that as an excuse. We saw Dallas start the first quarter with four fumbles and well, won yesterday's game. But at the same time, that just goes back to, you, you look at what Dallas was able to do against Atlanta. And then again, it was playing against Atlanta, the ultimate choke team probably in sports history. But that's neither here or there. When you, when you take a look at what Dallas was able to do, you're still talking about a team that came back with majority of all their same players, the camaraderie, the chemistry, all of that was still there, especially from their main two players, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. That was part of the reason. Like, those guys trust one another. They knew where each other was going to be. Yes, they started the game terrible, but once they got that momentum going, that chemistry, that camaraderie carried them to that really good, really great comeback victory, I must add. Even though I don't like those boys in Dallas, I have to give them their credit where credit is due. But I didn't see that with the Texans, you know. The the very first quarter, I was really confident. I was – I. I I felt that, okay, maybe they could do something. But once Kiki fumbled, once Deshaun Watson threw that interception, that wasn't the tipping point, but it was the start of the downfall for the Texans on yesterday. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with your contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Everyone, including us right here on Locked On Texans, we all felt that Will Fuller was the next guy up to be the number one receiver. My biggest thing, once again, how can you have Will Fuller as your number one receiver when a guy's never healthy? What we saw, well, what we didn't see from Will Fuller on yesterday cannot happen. First and foremost, you got locked up, you didn't do anything, and then your hamstring started acting up. You want to talk about Will Fuller? I don't want to talk about Will Fuller. I want to talk about the fact that, you know, outside of towards the end where the game was, you know, kind of out of reach at that point um, when the offense kicked up, and they were able to do a little bit more trying to make it a game. I want to talk about the fact that I don't see a difference so far between Tim Kelly and Bill O'Brien's offense. And um, I, I, I don't trust, because I have no reason to, neither should you guys, but I don't trust the fact that, you know, we're not really able to really run the ball effectively the Houston Texans average three yards per carry. And I did give credit where credit was due to Titus Howard earlier. He did have some good running blocking. Um, it's only so much that you can do. I mean, officially, one, two, three. I mean, eventually, the running back has to, you know, make the move and get going. But um, I look at the 3.1 for David Johnson, 3.4 for Deshaun Watson. Will Fuller had one carry, but, I mean, nothing. 
And so I'm looking at the difficulty of we're going to put more pressure on Deshaun Washington to be more involved in the run game, right? And also, that's also considering he tore his ACL his rookie year and he's battled against what was a, a bruised rib. And you just signed him to that fat contract along with Larry Tunsil. If we're not able to run the ball, how much of this offense can be truly unlocked? How much potential can be unlocked if the run game isn't there? Because let's face it, we don't have this high-flying offense, at least not, a, not as of yet. We don't have a Cliff Kingsbury. We don't have a Sean McVay. We don't have, you know, these prolific passing, so to speak, offensive minds that are able to use the passing game. What was one thing I wanted the Texans to do, use the passing game in order to get the run game going, to make up for some of the lack of talent uh, whether it be blocking-wise, running-wise, or just not able to execute properly, the lack of from that running game, make that up with the passing game. And I also mentioned how I wanted the receivers to be a little bit more involved in, in the run game last week. Will Fuller did have his carry, but um, it seems like I was super wrong on that. Nonetheless, we don't, we don't have those type of offenses. And I'm looking at what we've seen out of the last two outings and just thinking to myself, where is this consistent play calling? Because there are times in the first two weeks when the game isn't urgent for the Texans, when they are on cruise control, which I've seen a lot. But there were a couple of times where I didn't know if this was Gary Kubi had calling plays or not. Just very vanilla. Now, Cody, if you don't mind, on the flip side, if we can transition over to defense. As good of a job P.J. Hall did today and as good of a game J.J. Watt had yesterday, and like I mentioned, and shout out to my boy C.O., he had a sack yesterday, 230 yards on the ground. The Baltimore Ravens averaged 6.2 yards per carry. And my biggest problem is a lot of these plays came off big rushes, big rushes. I want to look at Mark Ingram. Nine carries, 55 yards. The longest run he had was 30 yards. He had nine carries. Majority of that 55-yard came off of one run. I look at J.K. Dobbins, two carries, 48 yards. Basically, almost of that came off of one run for 44 yards. Gus Edwards, 22 long. Like, they're running – effectively, and they're running in big moments. 30-yard run, 44-yard run. Houston, I don't know what to do. I, Houston, we have a problem. Not being able to contain uh, uh, effectively. Gaff just being blown up. Uh, Zach Cunningham did have 15 tackles yesterday. Like I mentioned, J.J. Watt had two sacks yesterday, but Houston defensively they're not struggling with an identity crisis. They're struggling with an execution crisis. How many times did we see missed tackles yesterday on huge, huge moments to where if you make this tackle, you swing the momentum back into your favor? And ultimately, Cody, last week we both mentioned how it was imperative that the Houston Texans limit the amount of time the Baltimore Ravens had. 
time of possession. That was those were key. Those were very key for the both of us for the entire city of Houston. So if you have J.K. Dobbins, who's a rookie, forty-eight total yards and on one run, forty-four yards, they're having a good ass day because they're continuously holding on to the ball. In the first quarter, twelve plays took up seven minutes for a seventy-three yard play drive. The Baltimore Ravens got the ball on the twelve. That's the problem. And then overall, when we look at it, just getting outpowered, the Ravens were quicker to their spots. They executed. And, and Anthony Weaver, he's going to have trouble. When you open up the schedule, like the Houston Texans open up the schedule, I can't remember what team, but this was the hardest schedule in the last 20 or so years based off of the team winning percentage the previous year. That's what Houston is working with. That is what Anthony Weaver is working with uh, and working against, rather. And so they're going to have a very difficult time, very difficult time. Each week, as long as I see them getting better defensively, I know eventually if the Texans are still in it, it'll all pay off. And before I kind of close out, I want to ask how long until we see a change at safety and how long until that change at safety can potentially be uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr. outside of Justin Reed. John, remember when I started the show, I said if you look at the final stats, it does not tell the whole story of how good the Texans actually played. Remember I said that? I remember. And that's why I want to go when talking about this Texans defense, especially the front seven, because everything you said made sense, but it does not tell the whole entire story. When you break this down, especially looking at the Texans front seven. They actually played pretty good this game. And I know that might sound crazy for a team that gave up 230 rushing yards. But, John, remember early on in the show when I said those turnovers, Kiki QT's fumble and Deshaun Watson interception was the tipping point of the Texans losing this game? The tipping point of how bad they played came in the fourth quarter when Mark Ingram ran a 30-yard touchdown run. And what I want to talk about with this Texans front seven, and the reason why I say they actually play good, and I really feel bad for them in a way because going into this game, the number one priority was how are you going to stop the Ravens' run, especially Lamar Jackson. And to be honest with you, they did that the first three quarters. Matter of fact, at halftime, they held the Ravens to 44 yards. In comparison to last year when we lost to them big time, Last year, they gave up 101 rushing yards at halftime in comparison to the 44 that they gave up at halftime on yesterday. Going into the fourth quarter, they held the Ravens to 98 rushing yards up until that point. When Mark Ingram ran for his 30-yard touchdown, they ended up giving up a total of 102 rushing yards for the rest of the game. That was the tipping point for the Texans, at least for their front seven. Uh, Bill O'Brien, after the game, said, we're not playing very well. We've got a long way to go. Heard that one before. Bill O'Brien on the unsuccessful fourth down try. That play didn't work. They did a better job on that than us. Heard that one before. Bill O'Brien on run defense. It's not very good. Heard that one before. Bill O'Brien on Kiki QT fumble. It's a tough, tough play. They didn't turn it over. That's the name of the game, penalties and turnovers. Heard that one before. 
I told you guys about Built Bar, how great Built Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. John, I know you're ready to move on and talk about special teams, and we're going to get to that in a quick second, but... Real quick, I just want to create a, a bigger picture of the collapse that the Texans had, where the Texans front seven had at stopping the run. Prior to that 30-yard touchdown run by Mark Ingram, there was only two plays where the Texans gave up 10 or more rushing yards prior to that. So through the first three quarters, two plays, they gave up 10 or more rushing yards. After Mark Ingram's 30-yard touchdown run, there was actually three plays where they gave up 10 or more rushing yards one of them was for 22. The other was for 44. Guys, for those of you who did not catch the game, the Houston Texans gave up 407 yards, where they earned 304 yards, a total of 10 drives compared to the Baltimore Ravens' nine drives. They were able to get 5.3 yards per play, 253 in the air, the rest by the ground. Gave up four sacks, while they also earned four sacks. Uh, J.J. Watt had two of those sacks, which we mentioned early. earlier. Zach Cunningham had one in Charles Omanehu. Four penalties for 22 yards and those two turnovers. The worst stat of them all, they lost a time of possession battle. The Baltimore Ravens held the ball for nearly 35 minutes compared to the Texans' 25. Uh, those are a couple of things that I wanted to let you guys know. And also, well, especially time of possession. But yes, you're right. I did want to hit on the special teams for a little bit. DeAndre Carter with his one kick return for 17 yards. He also returned a punt for 10 yards. Kaimi Fairbairn was three for three for extra points, while Brian Anger averaged 46.7 yards per punt off of three punts, equaling 140 yards, two inside the 20. Brian Anger always comes to work to do his job. I love Brian Anger. Overall, from the special teams, I didn't see anything that was too concerning, in my opinion. I didn't see anything that was overwhelming. Um, overall, when I look at this Houston team after two weeks, in all three phases, of course, I think it all points back to the guy wearing multiple hats. And uh, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to see as this year goes on how – he responds. It's not necessarily about how your team responds, and it is. Let me not say that. I'm holding every man on this roster, on this practice squad, uh, accountable. But we, we need to see the players, <laughs> of anybody, the players need to see how your head coach respond. I, I read those post-game 
responses because you're, you're feeding a lot of the stuff that you fed us before. And you know what, Bill O'Brien, I'm giving you a pass. I am. I know the rest of the city isn't. And I know you guys probably don't want to hear me give him a pass, but I understand you're working with a young team with a no offseason, not a traditional offseason, no preseason games. I understand that. But even for the younger guys that you're having to coach up, rookies, two, third-year players, vets, these guys need to see how you respond. I got on J.J. Watt about the $17 million he's going to make next year, the $15.5 million he's making this year. And what has J.J. Watt done, at least in the first two weeks? Shut me the hell up. Two sacks yesterday, had a very good game against Kansas City, had a very good game against Baltimore, moving around the line a lot, looks much healthier, looks fresh. Shut me up. Bill O'Brien, shut me up. How are you going to respond? Are you going to continue with the vanilla responses, with the vanilla answers, with the vanilla play calling? Because, again, I don't, I don't know if it's Tim Kelly or not. Are you going to continue with this, or are you going to work with what you have to get the best out of it? We've seen it before. We've seen you make the playoffs with Brock Osweiler. We've seen you make the playoffs with Brian Hoyer. We've seen you uh, do the best with what you, what you have. But now you have one of the young best at his position. And, you know, I don't want to see this career go to waste. I'm going to put it like that. But to say all of that, it's only week two, and they do have the hardest schedule. I am circling, not necessarily the Pittsburgh Steelers game. I'm circling the Vikings. They are also 0-2. They could also, just like the Houston Texans, go into their week, uh, the game next week and get a win, or they can lose. They could possibly meet up 0-3. Their offense is struggling, and I'm going to look and see if the Vikings magically find their rhythm against Houston. Their offense is struggling. So that's a game I have circled right now. Well, you got the Vikings circled, John. I actually had the Pittsburgh Steelers game circled because, in my opinion, their season begins next Sunday. Look, I had them going one and one, beating Kansas City, losing against Baltimore. You had them going one and one, losing against Kansas City, but beating Baltimore. I'm pretty sure everybody in this town basically had them going one and one. But we all knew at the end of the day, they was possibly going to start this season 0-2. This is why I say their season starts next Sunday against the Steelers. And even though the Steelers did look good in week one, they didn't look so good in week two. I mean, hell, they barely got past Denver on yesterday. So that gives me some glimmer of hope. But everything that you and I have been talking about, from the camaraderie, the lack of a shortened offseason, you know, not being on one accord with your receiver, whatever the case might be, we have been giving them passes and we have been giving them excuses. But all that goes down the drain starting next week. Because even if they had DeAndre Hopkins, I possibly would believe they would have gone one and one. But, I mean, you, you went from playing the Super Bowl champions to the second best team in the AFC in the Baltimore Ravens. So this is by far the hardest back-to-back to begin a season. I mean, this is the first time they started the season 0-2. You go back to 2018, they actually started the season 0-3 and ended up reeling off nine games in a row and still made the playoffs. But their season starts on Sunday. That is when I'm really going to start judging this team. But 
from what I saw, especially from that offensive line on yesterday, no, you, you cannot do that. And if Titus Howard is not ready to go, if he's still battling injuries, if he's not 100%, limit his snaps. Give Roger Johnson some snaps. That cannot happen. I'm John Hickman. This is Locked On Texans. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. Don't forget to follow Locked On Texans at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. Cody, I had a question. I was asked a question on Twitter. I want to go ahead and answer that now. The question is from my man, Justin. Are you happy or mad about the loss at some sports guy, which is me? I feel pretty optimistic afterwards. There is some optimism. I think the connection between um, Deshaun Watson and Brandon Cooks looked very good yesterday. Looked like what we needed from week one, but again, they hadn't played a down of real football together. Uh, that was very optimistic. Uh, also, Zach Cunningham looked good. He looked better than what he did last week. Got a sack, 15 total tackles. When I look at Jordan Aikens, seven catches, 55 yards, he is really establishing himself as the go-to tight end on this roster for Houston. Uh, but also have issues with Kenny Steele's only getting three targets. Two of those were called for 16 yards. I also have an issue with Randall Cobb not really being utilized as much as I like to see for how much he's being paid. Uh, overall, there is some optimism. And am I mad about it? Not necessarily mad about it uh, because I picked this game to go for Houston, but it, it could have went either way. Ultimately, I don't want to see this continue. I don't want to continue. I don't want to continue to see this product on the field. So th that's where I stand, Justin. But uh, dope question. Thank you very much. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.